gentlemen, and welcome to the March 28th, 2017 edition of Season 4 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., although as we're in championship season, it's Tuesday night at 7 p.m., with an encore presentation on Sunday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know about it. You can friend me on Facebook. Send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been with us from the very beginning. And as this season draws to a close, Crown Trophy has been in a showcase in the last few weeks as... Effectively, with this uh, last week, with the basketball championships this past Sunday night, Crown Trophy has completed its fall and winter season of trophy giving. So, if you need them, it means they're wide open for you. They've been with the Yeshiva League for over a decade, and if you've won a championship within that time period, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship. If you need them, please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week. If you haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our season's episodes, all the way back to Season 1, and all the way through to our season finale tonight. Plus, you'll be able to send comments for each show. Please keep the comments nice, much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches. Please be courteous enough to do the same. That is correct. As I just said, folks, this is it. It is the season finale of Season 4 of The Court Report. With the basketball championships this past Sunday night, the main season, the fall and winter season, has drawn to a close. We will go over that tonight as uh, two very, very exciting and two very similar-looking championship games took place on the court at the uh, Max Stern Athletic Center at the uh, court of Yeshiva, at Yeshiva University this past Sunday. Very similar games to each other, really following similar arcs. Very interesting to watch, to be a part of, and to broadcast. Getting to broadcast a game this Sunday, um, the games this Sunday were really something special. I have not, uh, full disclosure, before Sunday's games, I had not broadcasted a basketball game in, I'll check that, it's been a year and a half since I broadcasted my last basketball game, but Sunday sitting down in the booth and just, it, it just brought everything back. It felt so effortless and seamless, and I'd like to thank the two guys that were with me on the mic and the countless people that were behind the broadcast uh, for making it be that seamless. I want to say thank you to my partners on the mic for JV, Frisch JV head coach, Dovey Foreman, and on the varsity mic, Flatbush JV head coach and varsity assistant coach, Gus Kennedy. Thank you both, and I will get into a little more about what we discussed when we get to the basketball games. Uh, before we do that, I want to make mention of something. As you heard on the broadcast, 
we dedicated the broadcast to two very special people, near and dear to two people at our network. One, obviously, for Nachum, person that we dedicated to, Nachum's father, Rab Zevben Harav Yosef Halevi, his yurt site this past Sunday. Not only that, but it is a unique circumstance that Nachum and I have the bond of both our fathers actually having yurt site the same day. Sunday was also my father, Ramanasha ben Dober Halevi's yurt site, his 11th yurt site, and uh, actually, I am going to be dedicating this broadcast to him as well, because today, being March 28th, this is the actual English date, 11 years ago, of his passing. So, this broadcast is uh, the season finale, this broadcast, and really, almost everything in my involvement in the Yeshiva League, I, I, I owe to my father, Marty. Um, my father, Marty, was a integral part in... Uh, Jewish youth during his life, um, during my years as a student in Der HaTorah in Brooklyn, and as, as when I was in elementary school, my dad was a treasurer on the board. The things that I would, he wouldn't even know I was, I, I knew, but the things that he would do to ensure that kids who normally would not be able to get a Jewish education for whatever financial reasons, bending over backwards to try to make it happen, wanting to be a part of these kids' lives and making sure these kids can get uh, a Jewish education to turn into proper, proper menches, proper yids, go on to be successful Jews. Um, that really had a profound effect on me, and I, I've tried day in and day out, especially in my opportunities as a coach, my opportunities as a mentor, to really emulate that, uh, to be the motivator, to be the key person, to be the point man, to be the person that people look to. Uh, he was always that for me. He was always that for other people that went through the school. And that was for 17 years on his end, right up until the day of his passing, he served in that role. I, I can only hope that in my roles, I've lived up to half the stature that he did while he was alive. So, Dad, this this broadcast uh, dedicated to you. And uh, I hope that with everything that I've done and with everything that we've been able to accomplish, that uh, there is a greater source of pride. And uh, I hope that this helps towards, you know, towards the same goals that you set out to do during your lifetime. Bringing it back to the sports again this past week, as I said, drawing to a close the winter season of the 2016-2017 MYHSAL year. So this being our last show, not going into the spring, not something we've done. It's a little more. The spring is always a little more complicated to 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 do, especially because you have Pesach right in the middle of the next month. So that's two or three weeks taken out. The games are a little less covered by by I don't want to say the coaches, but a little less a little less covered, a little less glitzy. So for the court report, this is normally where we leave it, and uh, we will do so again this year. But before we do, we have quite a few things to discuss today. As I said, we're definitely going to get to the varsity and JV basketball championships. It would be kind of kind of bad if we didn't, if we just ended off the season just leaving you on a cliffhanger uh, as to what the, happened in those games. But, I mean, you can go back and watch them yourself. They're on YouTube, and hopefully over the next day or so, they will be 
they will be on the Nahum Siegel Network page. Uh, again, thank you to Nahum, Seth Gordon, uh, and all the people really involved in making the broadcast for basketball, as we did this past Sunday, as well as hockey that we did last week, uh, all that more special. And uh, I'm glad that we were able to do it. I'm glad that we were able to finally get around to doing it after three years. And, uh, you know, again, it was a lot of fun. We'll get into that. Um, get into what I wanted to get into last week, which is just a little, a couple of notes on how it actually felt and what really went into the broadcasting. Because I don't know if many people really know what goes into uh, setting up a broadcast. And it's kind of funny because you see the kids do it all the time now. Um, plenty of schools have set up broadcasts for, you know, for their teams. And it seems so simple, but there's so much that goes into it. I'd like to just touch a little bit on what's gone on over the last two weeks and just really get the, the sense that what these kids are doing is so much more than just simply popping on a headset opening a computer, starting up a camera, and just letting it rip. Also, I want to do my... take a look back. I want to take a look back at this past year in terms of the seasons for as many leagues as we possibly can. Definitely going to get through the boys' uh, sports, uh, go through a little bit of the girls' sports, just go through the highlights, the highs, the, the key points that now you can look back on as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. You could look back on and say, you know what, these were markers, these were special things that we really should have paid attention to, even if we did, but these were so much more important to the season than one could ever really imagine. So we're going to do that today on this, our last show, and then we'll get into the thank yous, the goodbyes, and the, the I guess, the, the hope as we move into yet another long off season, but uh, before that, we got a lot to cover. So let's get right to it. We're going to start off with our uh, with our basketball championships, and we'll get into just a little bit about what led up to these games. We're going to start off with the JV broadcast. JV broadcast, the JV basketball championship, leading off the day, TABC and Mag and David. The TABC, the game, the first in a 23-year history on either the JV or varsity level for the Storm. At no point has a Storm basketball team entered into a varsity or JV championship until this past Sunday. For the Storm this season, a record of 9-1, and finishing first place in the JV West, their only loss to the Hank Hurricanes. Since then, though, TABC ran over every opponent, including defending champion Frisch, in a hard-fought battle as the last game of the season. Once the playoff began, though, it was more the same in the quarterfinals, dominating YDE, following it up with a win in a budding school rivalry over Hafter, which I'm sure we will be able to cover over the next couple of uh, years, as I'll get to in my seasonal recap, because that Hafter-TABC rivalry it started last year. It started last year in hockey. This year, moving on to the hardwood, there's a lot to discuss and a lot more to look forward to with that. Now, Storm looking to add their first banner with that game. Along the way, you know, we thought that they would end up facing Frisch. Frisch, though, running into Mag and David. And, uh, I mean, it, it, thankfully, I, I can't say thankfully, but uh, the, the loss, Frisch's loss was our gain having Coach W. Foreman on the mic. Coach Foreman was incredible. Got there a little late because of traffic. Didn't miss a beat. 
and the two of us had I had so much fun with him in the booth. Really, really special, really knowledgeable coach. You get the sense as to why Frisch got won the last two championships. You get the sense that game. Frisch held a one point lead. Sixteen minutes later, though, it would be a blowout. A thirty-six to eleven second half stretch for Frisch. Mag and David's season coming to a crushing halt. Fast forward to this year, though. Warriors finishing the regular season, record of 9-1, and one, only lost to DRS uh, in the closing minutes, a one-point loss in a game where they ended up losing one of their key players. Since then, Warriors were on a huge run, 370-point efforts, including a quarterfinal win over JEC, 78-57, the rematch with Frisch and Mag and David, where up 17 at the half, Frisch ended ended up coming back, going up by one with four minutes to go. Warriors, though, able to close it out. Little did we know what a harbinger that game would be for this one. But Mag and David taking the 47-44 win and getting back to the championship for the right to challenge for its first JV title since the 2010-2011 season. Again, for the teams, this would be the first time that they actually faced in the regular season. They faced in the Rubenstein tournament back in early on in the season where Mag and David had a 13-point lead, but the Storm would regroup, rebound, and take the lead and ended up winning by one. So the two teams were not unfamiliar with each other, and coming into this one, you could tell that the coaches were on top of their game. But the one thing that was going to be a key factor all night, and this was something that Coach Foreman hit on the head, and you could see it coming out in the very first um, the very first few minutes of play was Mag and David's speed. The transition game ended up being such a huge factor. Uh, first quarter of play, Mag and David jumping out to a 9-1 to lead. Transition buckets, I think they had two or three of them, in that stretch, the run ended up being broken by a Jonathan Haberman three. Mag and David would get an answer from Edmund Antaby with a three of his own, though, in the next TBC possession, an Albert Naziri steal, and a, a, uh, and a Raymond Batesh follow-up. The margin was out to nine at 13-4, to four. but Mag and David's speed on full display. TABC would end up making a run back Proctor. Um, that would be Avi Proctor would get the and one, and Haberman would give a juke and a shake, put it off the glass, cut the deficit to four, and uh, cut that lead to a 13-9 to nine margin. TABC might have added more on the quarter with the steal on a fast break with 30 seconds to go, but heads-up defense by Magan David's Michael Natkin coming back for the SWAT to keep the score at 13-9 to nine going into the first half break. Looking at the first half scoring, very spread out for Mag and David. I shouldn't really say spread out for Mag and David, but you, you see, you saw one, two, three, four different players getting points, four of their five players getting points on the quarter. You, you had Batesh with three, Nasiri with two, Antibi with four, Natkin getting four of his own. Whereas with TABC, it was a little more condensed. You had Haberman with, with uh, five, Proctor with four. And that would sort of uh, set the tone for how TABC and Mag and David would both work the rest of the day. Um, ironically enough, you would see Mag and you'd see sorry TABC going to more players on the floor, and yet scoring a little more centralized. Whereas Mag and David um, going to less players on the floor, and we'll get into what happened with that. But the scoring very spread out amongst their amongst the players that did touch the floor. 
In the second, the Warriors would bust the game open, outscoring TABC 23-9 behind 10 points by Natkin and 6 by Naziri, included in that stretch an 11-0 Warrior run from the 7-minute mark until the 3-minute mark in the second, before another Haberman 3 would break the slide at 26-15. TABC would only make 3 field goals on the entire quarter, all 3 threes. There would be 2 by Haberman and 1 by Proctor. Haberman would hit their last one, with just over two minutes to go to make it an eight-point game, but the Warriors would finish the quarter strong on a 9-0 run, started off by a Natkin three, uh, Michael Natkin. For a big man, kid can really shoot from all areas on the floor. It was a very good three shot, and really showing his range. And Mag and David would take a 35-18 to lead into the break. So as we said... 17-point lead, 17-point lead, the magic number in the game against Frisch started the Frisch comeback. Would that mean a comeback today, or should I say Sunday? Well, that would end up being something we would see. The opening of the third looked like a major momentum shift for TABC. A 6-0 run and foul trouble by Natkin and Naziri put them on the bench for a stretch and allowed TABC to start a climb back into the game. Alex Ostrin paced the play, scoring six of the Storm's 11 points on the quarter with TABC's adjusted defense holding the Warriors to only five. Coming out of the third, a 12-point game at 41-29. to So a little bit of a shift, actually, as it came to the second half. Um, TABC seen three players scoring in the third quarter of play. Yoni Mann with his first three points, all three free throws, uh, to get three points. Haberman getting two. Ostrin with six. And TABC would find itself a little closer into the game. Over on Mag and David's side of the ledger, Cohen with four, Nasiri with two, six points in total. Not the same effort that they put up in the first and second. On the broadcast, we talked about tired legs and fouls, having Natkin on the bench, having Nasiri uh, in foul trouble, Natkin having four uh, very early on in that third quarter. Uh, having uh, with Coach Saul Dweck having to go to his bench, trust in a few more people than he probably normally would in the situation, and it allowed TABC a little bit of an opening to get back into the game. Uh, by 12, uh, sorry, t- and again, as I said, a 12-point game, Mag and David leading 41-29 coming out of the third. The Warriors would gain some momentum back, pushing the margin back up to 14 a few minutes into the fourth on a three-pointer from the corner by Antibi. Two minutes later, though, TABC would score six in quick succession, Ostrin with the bucket on one end, and then a layout on defense on the other end to tip the ball away, leading to the break on the other end for two more, part of a 9-1 run by the Storm. Antibi would end the run on a weak side make down low, two of his eight points on the quarter, to extend the lead back to nine, but you had to know TABC would have a run back in them. Proctor and Hain would drop buckets and make it a five-point deficit with 3.22 to go. Two free throws by Natkin extended the lead back, but Haberman, with another long-range shot, would slice it to a four-point game, but TABC would have no answer for the Warriors' transition game down the stretch, as Mag and David would break the press and capitalize, pushing the lead back to 11 with under a minute to go, leading to the 60-52 final score in favor of the Warriors. Natkin leading Mag and David with 16 points, earning game MVP honors, though high score of the game would go to Haberman with 21 in the loss for the Storm. So Mag and David, Coach Saul Dweck, the entire school, pulling down, or we should say 
putting up their first banner since the 2010-2011 season, the JV champions, and uh, congratulations to them on a very hard-fought game, very, very excellently coached game. As you go back on the broadcast, you see the team was very well prepared. The Some of the strategies were just really, really interesting to see, and, and Coach Foreman and I pointed them out. For, Coach Foreman really impressed with a lot of what happened during that game, impressed with both sides. Mag and David, though, with their with their trust in their players, and even so, the tra- the players' trust in their coach. Uh, Mag and David only really going with six or seven players the entire game, really making it all about the longevity of their stars. TBC having it in them, coming all the way back from 17 down, making a game out of it. Kudos to them. Really, they, for the most part, they stepped up to the challenge, just falling short. So, TABC, unfortunately not getting there, but this was their first run to a championship game, and with the players that they have returning, with, uh, as we said on the broadcast, they have uh, Citroen returning, they have Mann returning, and a couple of other key players. We'll see who they get coming out of the coming out of the eighth grade this year. But with players like that, you have to believe that they're going to be in the thick of things next year. And you got to think that they will at least have a have it in them to challenge for another shot back at uh, the Max Stern Athletic Center next year. For Mag and David, you know that they'll be back next year. You know that they'll be back in the hunt. Although Natkin's moving up to uh, to varsity next year, Albert Naziri. Uh, Teddy Cohen, Tico, the two of them, Edmund Antibi, three of them, they're freshmen. The three of them combining for 34 of the team's 60 points. You have to be, you have to be impressed with their play, and you have to know, and you have to think that you know, 14 by Antibi, uh, 13 uh, or Antebi, 13 by Nasiri. I got to apologize um, to. Mag and David's Sparty brethren, uh, my Ashkenaz twang, and my commonality for saying names, I tried to keep it in mind, and if I messed up anybody's names on Monday, on Sunday, I apologize. Please know that there was no slight uh, meant, and that only the biggest amount of respect for my Brooklyn brethren, uh, me living in Brooklyn, me living in Flatbush, I happen to live not very far to where these kids practice, where these kids grow up, where these kids go to school, and, you know... There, I may even know half their older brothers, and none of these, none of these slights, none of it are slights, and I only have the deepest and profound respect. Great basketball players, and I'm very excited to see what these kids will do in the future. And uh, next year is going to be another opportunity to see what these kids can do. Congratulations again to Megan David, the 2016-2017 MYHSAL JV Basketball Champions. Going to move over to our coverage for the varsity game now. The varsity game, as I said, joined on the air by Flatbush head coach... Um, Flappers head, sorry, Flappers JV head coach, Flappers varsity assistant coach Gus Kennedy, and Gus was Gus is always a fan favorite. Whenever you go into, uh, whenever you you go, whenever I go somewhere somewhere basketball related, I always see Gus surrounded by 
uh, <laughs> just a ton of people. The guy is immensely popular, and he showed that he really knows what he's talking about in terms of basketball. You know, I, I was speaking with Flappers Athletic Director Eric Amkraut last night, and I was just extolling Gus's praises. Gus, never been on the mic before. You know, we were talking over the weekend about, you know, about how to best run the game, and I just told Gus, Gus, I know what you, I know that you know it all. Just let people see it. Let let it shine. And he was on the money. I, I couldn't have asked for a better two partners on Sunday and in the varsity game. Gus really shone through, and I'm very, very happy uh, with what transpired. And again, hit on to YouTube, go see exactly what I'm talking about. Two of us worked really well. Gus is a, a great person to go back and forth with, you know, with all the bantering and all the fun. But through it all, a ton of information, really right on the money with, with a lot of what he was saying, a lot of his calls and predictions, and, of course, his keys to the game. And we spoke about it in the intro uh, to that game. The key to this game was going to be the difference between Frisch's size and Mag and Davis' athleticism. The question was going to be which one was going to win out. Just taking a review of the regular season, both teams uh, ended off last year uh, in a in a fashion that I don't think that they really expected, and I think really stung over the off season. Um, for Heschel, a regular season to celebrate, perfect 14-0 and heading into the semifinals, ran into Flatbush. Flatbush had four losses going into that game, only come on later in the year as a challenger. Heschel really seemed set up for a first run to the finals, but something happened. Um, an eight-point Heschel halftime lead slipped away in the final minute. Flatbush hitting four free throws, turned a one-point deficit into a three-point win. Stunning the perfect West Division champions, sending Heschel into the offseason. For Frisch, though, it was that crushing, crushing defeat to DRS last year. Um, you can go back and still watch that on DRS, uh, DRS Live's broadcast. 20 to nothing before Frisch got on the board midway through the second quarter. Capped off by Gabe Leifer's monster dunk that brought the crowd to its feet. Really an indicator of what was going to be that night and what was going to be in that final as Flatbush and DRS would meet up and DRS would go on to trounce Flatbush in what really was a showcase of DRS as one of the best teams in the history of the league. Again, I'm not old enough to go back that far to tell you exactly where they place, but there are plenty of people who... Very easily will. And they'll tell you that the the grouping of Gabriel Leifer, Zev Ben-Ami, uh, you know, of Deutsch, all those people, they'll tell you exactly where they stand. And uh, it, it was what it was. Frisch not really coming out on the strong end of that, despite a much closer game earlier on in the regular season. With this year, though, it was an all-West affair. 2016-17 sort of proved the resilience and determination of both teams. Um, talking about Frisch, team that two years ago won the JV championship as a unit. A junior class coming into this year had won both of their championships. So for them, this really was old hat coming back here. Starting out the year... They they took they took away the the Steve Globerman Trophy out in Shalhevet, uh, in California. 
middle of the year or towards the end of the year. They took home Saracek. So you, you really had a feeling that Frisch overall should have been here. They, re, you know, they were expected to be here, but th- their season wasn't without adversity, having to take three really tough losses, losing to Flatbush, losing a heartbreaker in the last couple of seconds on a giveaway that turned into a fast break the other way against TABC, and, of course, the loss to Heschel as well. But again, some highs on the year, too especially the comeback win, not the comeback, but I should say the revenge win over Heschel in Frisch, really getting their run started back to the top. It sort of was a spark plug for Saracek and for the playoffs, and uh, including what was a a thrilling win over Flatbush, and that's why I figured Gus would be uh, extremely important in our show, considering that he had his team had taken... Uh, had taken Frisch to the wire, beating them once, taking them to the wire in in a semifinal, in a quarterfinal game. So he, w- I knew that he had the information all necessary. Heschel, on the other hand, Heschel plowing through the early season, taking the Cooper tournament when they were slated to be the ninth seed. Nobody expected them to be back there. In talking to Coach Pickman last week, he said, "You know, we had ten guys last year." Out of that, only four guys returned. And a couple of them didn't really have much playing experience. You know, they were they were role players, they were glue players, they weren't our key players. We didn't expect to be back there. And uh, truthfully, I, I don't know that there were many people that expected them to be there, but they you know, they were. They went through they went through Cooper, came in, took some really good wins early on, ended up beating Frisch ended up beating DRS, and really stake a claim, stuck a claim for themselves as the top team in the nation for quite some time. And then they ran into that Frisch loss, followed up with the Hafter loss, went to Saracek, had the tough loss to Shalhevet in, uh, in the semifinal game, ended up in the third place game, able to turn it around in the playoffs, uh... Not really close contests, I would say. I mean, the DRS contest was entertaining, but in the end, it was a 60-50 to 50 win in that semifinal game. Heschel, though, really, really exceeding all expectations, making it back to the finals. Um, but this would end up being the rubber match between the two, both of them taking the games on their home court. This would come to a neutral court. And again, as we said early on in that, uh, in that telecast, the question was going to be, would Heschel be able to counter Frisch's size with their athleticism and speed? The first quarter of play would show us just how true that those questions would be right off the opening tip. Stroll Solomon taking the ball, laying it in, literally, right off the opening tip. Yelena Rogel would answer with a three to give Heschel the one-point lead. It would then become the Sammy Fishman show. As we said with the size, you have to point out the two players that we're really referring to. We're referring to Sammy Fishman and Jack Stepner, two kids well over six feet. On the Heschel side, only one kid really, you know, I don't want to say really six over the six feet because there are a couple, but only one that's really suited to handle big men, that being 6'2", Jonathan Mack. But when you're matching up with... Two guys that are 6'3", 6'4", you know it's going to be a tough day. Or Gell 
was tasked with the challenge early on of taking them, and it just seemed like Fishman was having none of it. It would be the Sammy Fishman show from there on out, taking advantage of the size mismatch with Heschel, dropping eight on the first quarter of play. Orgel would drop six of his own, though, in return to keep Heschel within range, making use of his athleticism and speed, drawing Fishman out, driving by him a couple of times, and then also getting showing his range again, as we said, with that opening three. But Frisch would leave the first quarter up by seven, 15 to eight. Solomon would open the second with a beautiful lay-in, but Heschel would counter on a 10-3 run, five of which scored by Jeremy Spira. Solomon and Fishman would kill the rally, though, as the two combined to score all of Frisch's 13 second quarter points, nine by Solomon. All in all, though, Heschel was only down by eight at the end of the first half, and as my partner Gus said, Heschel needed to be happy with where they were. The first quarter scoring, um, a little... A little more drawn out than it was in the JV game. First quarter of play for, for Heschel, only two people were scoring. Orgel with six, Spira with two. Second quarter, a little more spread out. Spira taking five more. Orgel putting two. Harlan Rice getting on the board with three. And Itamar Oren uh, allowing Mack to get a bit of rest on the bench. Itamar Oren coming in and dropping two of his own. Over in Frisch... Second quarter, as we said, all Solomon and Fishman, but uh, du- Josh Dukas and Jack Stepner also recorded points in the first half of play. Dukas with a three in the first, Stepner with a bucket in the first, and really condensed scoring for Frisch in the second quarter of play. And uh, again, as Gus said, if Fishman and Solomon are giving you what they've got, and you're only down eight at the half. You got to be extremely happy with being down eight. Spira, though. That being said, though, how uh, how Heschel opened up the second half play probably did not make them happy. A Stepner jumper from the baseline, a Josh Dukas three, a Stepner bucket down low, and Frisch had opened up a 15-point lead. Michael Gatan would lay it in to stop the stretch, and Heschel would then go to work. The Heat would score 14 of the next 19 points, and what was a 15-point lead with six minutes left in the quarter was a 39-36 to Frisch lead as the quarter came to an end. A great uh, spread-out effort by Heschel in this one. Five players notching points led by Spyro with five more. Really spread out. You had Spyro with five. You had Gatan and Orgel each with three. You had Harlan Rice with a bucket. You had Oren with another bucket. And really laying into Frisch's lead, cutting it down to only three points. Uh, and Spira with an and one to cap off the scoring with a minute left. Spira would open up the fourth quarter with a free throw to cut it to two points. Fishman and Mack would trade buckets before Solomon would make a phenomenal athletic play, driving to the hoop, laying out, going up and under, going to the ground, getting the roll and the drop, along with the foul for the four-point lead. With 4.25 left in the fourth, Spyro would hit two free throws, but Fishman would add another bucket, two of his nine points on the quarter, and a game-high 23 for a 45-41 lead. So you can see how this sort of followed the same exact arc as the JV game, and, uh, you know, early jump out by one team, big lead at the half, and there you go, having the game cut down to a minuscule margin, a comeback. It really was... A, a matchup 
uh, two matchups on the day that were worthy of the drama. And the drama that unfolded really made for a great broadcast, I think. Or Gell would get a bucket out of a timeout. And with 2.30 left, it was 45-43 for Ish. With 1.48 to go, though, the ball would make its way back to Fishman, who would put it off the glass to make it a four-point game. Same score, a minute to go, 47-43. A controversial call off of a Catan miss. Mack would save the ball from going out of bounds off a Frisch player. The ball bounced back towards midcourt off of the Frisch player, and Orgel, with a diving play, tapped it back to Rice, standing on the other side of the midcourt line. Now, I'm going to say I'm not a basketball rules expert. I am not a basketball referee. I used to coach basketball way back when on the junior level, and, you know, coached it in camps. I'm not as adept with basketball rules as I am with hockey rules. You want to talk hockey rules with me, I can probably ramble them off to you one by one, give you every situation that it can occur in, and, uh, you know, probably just off the top of my head. When it comes to basketball, I know the backcourt rule, and I know what it means. I, obviously, we didn't talk about it on the broadcast because I didn't really think that that was an issue. It wasn't until after when I started talking to people that I realized that, you know, this is what people were really up in arms about. I know the rule that with a backcourt play, in order for it to be considered backcourt, in the front court, the player has to have possession. Now, the question is, what do you really consider to be possession? Because from my point of view, the play happened right in front of me. And from there was nobody around Orgel. Orgel tapped the ball back. Honestly, I know it's not actual possession, but for all intents and purposes, Orgel had the ball. He made the choice on you know as he was laid out to flap to to flap the ball back across and and I I really think that I mean granted the letter of the rule the letter of the law is possession and you and you can go back and forth and you can debate what is possession did he really have possession if all he was doing was tapping the ball back uh, I I can't see that I, I mean yes I, other people have said so I can see that there's a debate but I can't see how you have the question when the truth is the ball really was his and just the fact that he didn't put two hands on it to corral it shouldn't really mean that he didn't have possession. But again, you know, different minds, different people, they differ in their opinions. That's just my opinion. Again, not a basketball rules expert. Just going with what I know, what I see. That's why I didn't make a big deal out of it on the, you know, on the, on the broadcast. Um, but definitely a lingering question of it. You know, referee called it one way, could have gone a couple different ways. Uh, it would come back to kill Heschel's momentum, though. It would actually lead to deciding the game. Uh, they would send Leifer to the Leifer to the line. Leifer would hit the first shot, then the backbreaker off the miss of the second. Fishman grabbing the rebound, putting it back home to put the score up. To 50 to 43. Spyro would make a basket on the other end, but coming out of a timeout, Lafer would hit two more from the line. Fishman would add one to ice the game away. The final score 53 to 45 in favor of the Cougars. Fishman leading the game with 23 points, earning MVP honors, and leading Frisch to its seventh MYHSAL varsity basketball title. Yes, I am calling an audible. I am saying, I'm, I'm issuing a mea culpa on the broadcast. I talked about their sixth title. Uh, that was me misreading my notes, and I apologize for that. But Frisch pulling home its seventh MYHSAL varsity basketball title. Their second in a three year, sorry, their second 
in a six-year stretch, now following along with the tweets. The second and three-year stretch where they finish off as the number one team uh, in the nation, uh, according to Jewish Hoops America. Congratulations to coaches Joe Schwartz, Elliot Davidoff, Frisch on the victory. Um, really, really a hard-fought season. And again, Frisch was a team from the outset that you had to know was going to be in the mix. Uh, this junior class now winning all three years. It's going to be interesting to see them next year. To the graduating seniors, you know, you, you got to mention just how incredible Sammy Fishman was this entire year. Uh, a big man creating that much of a mismatch is it's incredible. Uh, having Jack Stepner on the other side really gave him a lot of a lot of leeway, and just the athleticism of Lafer Solomon. And Dukas, Dukas' ability to hit the threes. Uh, we talked about that 45-point game that he that he knocked down earlier in the year. Such an incredible run for them, and definitely deserved it. Uh, overcoming a lot of adversity this year, leading their way to the championship. Um, Heschel, as we said, Heschel was playing with house money, even being there. I don't think in coming to the year anybody in their pool would have picked Heschel if you weren't a Heschel student. And uh, starting out with that win in in Cooper, winding up, making it to the finals. Uh, obviously, going to be without a couple of key names next year. Going to be without Spira. It's going to be without uh, Harlan Rice. Ilana Orgel will be back, though. And uh, that's got to be very uplifting for the Heschel faithful. The question is going to be, who's going to be around him to to uh, to keep it going? Again... Coming into this year, though, if you'd have expected that that they were going to be back there, you were in the minority, especially with what they had. But they made use of what they had. Coach Pickman coaching a phenomenal game, keeping his team in it. And as Coach Gus said on the broadcast, really making sure his team knew what they were doing at all points of the game. So credit to Coach Pickman and all of his experience coming into play, uh, leading this team to where it did. Obviously falling short, but... Definitely, definitely deserving of a ton of credit for what they put together this year. Congratulations again to Frisch on all that they did. Congratulations to uh, to Sammy Fishman, 23 points and the MVP. Just wanted to take one final look at the rest of his teammates just to see point totals. Solomon with 13. You had Dukas with 8. Stepner with 6. Lafer with 3. But Sammy Fishman, obviously the focal point of the of the game. Uh, and as I said on the broadcast, not only did he get 23 points, he had to have above 20 in terms of rebounds. His rebounding and his size was huge. And I don't mean that in the, in the pun sense. But it was huge, a huge difference in terms of whether or not Frisch would be able to take this. In this case, size won out, but I think it was only because Fishman and Stepner, especially Fishman in this game, was just such a dominant force on the scoring end. He could have been a big man that just pulled down rebounds, wasn't really a, a wasn't really good in the paint, wasn't really good for shooting. His range was great. I think he hit a he hit a three. Uh, I think he hit a three at some. Uh, looking at my notes, uh, no, I, I must have been dreaming that. Uh, but his range, his ability down low, just being above everybody, pulling down the rebounds, getting second chance opportunities, making sure that Heschel didn't get second chance opportunities. Honestly, size one on Sunday, 
but size deserved to win based on how that game turned out. So again, congratulations to Frisch, and uh, nothing more to really say about that. That really does put a capper on the MYHSAL varsity basketball year, what was a really phenomenal year. I, I have to say I enjoyed it uh, very, very much. There was a lot of surprises. You look back at you know at the teams that 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 played this year. Look back at DRS. Nobody expected DRS to really do what they did. Gideon Valinsky, a name to watch next year along with Orgel. Valinsky uh, really throwing down the gauntlet, putting DRS on his back, taking them to the semifinals when everybody from last year's team was pretty much gone. You look at Flatbush. Flatbush expected to be in the mix. Came on a little late, not able to make it. You got to expect that had they beaten Frisch, they may be the ones holding the trophy today. And that was something that if you'd asked them last year after that finals loss, if they were to take, I think the answer would have been 100%. I think the loss of... Uh, of Jackie Michon early in the year, not really having him for much of the season. And that Frisch game, that Frisch uh, quarterfinal game being only second game back, really did make a huge difference. And I, I can't say uh, enough about what Flatbush could have done. But again, the coulda, woulda, shouldas, not so much in reality. You look at YDE, you look at Rambam. Although the East, a lot of critics to the East as to as to... Uh, the strength of schedule as to who they played, but YD and Rambam really making the most of their time to shine with teams that two years ago weren't very high, highly regarded in JV. So congratulations to all the teams this year, uh, MTA making their run. And, uh, you know, again, that same MTA team that two years ago took SAR to a couple of overtimes in, in, the, in the semifinals getting very, very close to being able to play a game on their home court. Congratulations to, to all the teams this year and all the players, and uh, we look forward to really seeing what comes out of this league next year. I, I'm, again, like I say, I want to go back to hockey for a few minutes just to touch on how that sort of went down this year. And uh, got to start off in JV where you saw – couple of really good teams at the top. You saw TABC doing what they did. Frisch able to overcome them in the championship after losing to them early on in the season, really making that complete turn, really coming together as a unit uh, with a very, very young and talented freshman, freshman staff rounded out by superior and superb sophomore defensive talent. DRS and TABC really giving everybody, really giving uh, the league a run for their money. Those three teams, after coming on strong, really showing that in, you know, in a couple of years' time, when this group is, uh, is up in varsity, we're going to have a very exciting season. It's going to be very, very, very open to... Uh, to, uh, I don't want to say interpretation, but very open to anything happening. You know, there's no guarantee that in two years from now, Frisch is holding the trophy. TABC had a bad day in Lawrence Middle School. Who knows if they come back, if they can capitalize. But we have next year before that even happens. It's interesting to see what happens with the class that comes in from this year. you got a lot of talent in, in the West going out to Kushner. Kushner's going to be a name to watch out for in the JV next year. Definitely in two years. Um, 
that Kushner team sticking together from uh, their championship team this year, really dominating team. TBC is going to get a couple of really, really good players coming in there. You're gonna, you always have DRS Hafter. Um, Ramaz is going to be an interesting team to watch next year. Ramaz getting two of the top talents coming out of the junior high league this year. Their own uh, Jeremy Barouche, not to mention being able to pull in a top talent from uh, North Shore in Charles Gressis, already having Eddie Caton on their roster. That's going to be a phenomenal scoring team. The West got to watch out next year. Ramaz is going to be a very interesting team to watch. Looking over uh, to Varsity now, what you what you can say about DRS, it, it the superlatives know no end to, to the play of Jakey Friedman this year and to Noah Wilkowski and Ned for the Wildcats. Perfect season, going all the way to the top, defeating a superior talented Frisch just because of their of their defense and their grit and their speed, um, taking away what really should have been, uh, I, I want to say, Frisch or even SAR's title Earlier on in the year, as we spoke with coach with TABC coach Mo Fuchs, this was not a title that you expected going to DRS. But Jakey Friedman, Noah Wilkowski, uh, Jakey letting up only six goals on the year. Uh, you gotta think that's in the time in the range of the all-time greats. The kid is the kid is just phenomenal. Interesting to see what he can do next year. Again, they won last year. But uh, the question is, SAR's big three going to beat Varsity next year and where they should have been in JV. Well, I shouldn't say should have been where they weren't in JV last year to make a difference. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what they do. SAR is going to be a competitor. Frisch is going to be right back there, although we'll see based on what happens with the ice hockey team and what they choose to do there. Um, you're going to see Hafter uh, with their with their talent that they've brought in over the last couple of months, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get Abraham Goldman and, uh, and, uh, and, and um, Jacob Kramer back and great supporting cast. It'll be very interesting to see what that team will do with more of a wide open East, I would say. Hank maybe making a resurgence. We'll see. Again, that's a year away. Right now, though, there's not much you can really say other than you know, congratulations to all the winners. Over in the girls, you know, SAR once again being a dominant powerhouse. Uh, it, it just isn't isn't close to what they've been able to do. And I, I can't stress how interesting it's going to be for them over the next couple of years. They keep pulling in the talent. It's a question to see whether or not they can keep it going. And right now, you know, you got to assume that they're, they're headed for great things as the next couple of years come about. Uh, that, that really does put a wrap on it, put a bow on the season. I'm just, I can't, I can't express what an amazing year it's been. Just want to go back to a little bit, as I said, about the broadcasting and about what the last couple of days really were. It's, it's, you know, it's been a whirlwind ride. These kids, it's no joke. I worked with two crews over the last two weeks for the hockey crew. For the hockey one, I worked with uh, the SAR crew. I worked with Josh Lewis. Um, it was incredible. Uh, just the professionalism and the the... The work, the product was phenomenal. This past week, got to work with Rabbi Patinsky 
and the Frisch crew again. Thank you to SAR to Rabbi Harkstark for the you know for allowing us their equipment uh, last week at the hockey championships. Thanks to Rabbi Siner and the whole Cougar Nation crew for becoming a part of the Nachum Siegel Network staff. A couple of really talented kids along for the ride. You guys did a great job and uh, look forward to seeing what else you put out as members of your respective staffs. Uh, thank you so much for all that you did. And I, honestly, I, I cannot express how hard these kids work. It's not a joke. These kids got there. They set up. They did everything that was asked of them. They were on top. They're getting a world-class education in, some, in a trade that they can go out there and use. It, it's one of the few things you can say, it's one of the few areas where you can say this is something that they can actually go out and use in the outside world when it comes to school. You know, you have you have classes, you have, you have science classes, you have lab. This is hands-on work that there are professionals doing the exact same thing they're doing. And uh, there's no end to, to, to the work. You know, putting together... Um, a broadcast, putting together graphics, putting together a script, doing your homework, doing your research, getting info on both teams so you can make a good broadcast. Um, I got to say, I started this, uh, I want to say, seven years ago uh, with Nachum and uh, my predecessor, Isaac Benishai, really with Isaac when he was back doing YLS radio. And I can't thank Isaac enough for, for everything that he taught me and everything I was able to learn from him. And then moving on to Nachum a couple of years ago, uh, four years ago, him or five years ago, him asking me to take over the sports update and then asking me to, to take over and do this show, not so much take over, but to do this show, to give him, to show the confidence in a guy who really had never been behind a mic before and just say, you know what? We trust you because we trust your knowledge. Roll with it and just have fun, and for the last four years, it's been nothing but fun, and I, you know, this is, I guess you can call this a graduating class, and uh, it's been just a heck of a ride, and I can't, I can't imagine any of the last four years being as incredible as a coach, as, as an analyst, I can't imagine it being as fun, um, without having this as part of the experience, obviously, uh, life, life throws things at you, some bad and some really good, and this summer is going to be a bit of change for me, entering married life, so we'll see what happens on the other side, and, and what the, and what it, what it means, and where we go from there, um, but I, I have to, I have to give a, a huge thank you to my fiance Amanda, uh, for, Knowing that this was a part of what I do, and allowing and and giving giving me support and supporting me and just being there when it com- when it comes to putting something like this together and to putting all the broadcasts together, uh, I know the last two weeks have been incredibly difficult on her. We've seen each other once or twice over the stretch, and uh, so now with really with the end of with the end of uh, I guess you could say the end of the court report. A little more free time, I hope, just to spend before our big day. Uh, big day coming up fast on June 18th, and um, then after that, it's it's a whole it's a whole new world. And looking forward to seeing the 
the challenges and the the and how to meet how we meet them and all the fun stuff that comes along with it. So um, so uh, we'll we'll see where it leaves us in a couple of months from now. Uh, we have six months until the 2017-2018 season picks up and uh, look forward to seeing what happens over the next six months that helps shape the next year of Yeshiva League Sports. Well, I mean, at this point, you, you gotta you gotta give out a couple of thank yous, especially from my end. Um, a special thank you to all of the coaches, all of the uh, kids, everybody who helped make this court report. It's such an amazing, amazing program. Uh, thank you to Commissioner Seth Gordon for all of his information. Thank you to... Um, the list is endless, really. Thank you to all the guests that have come on the air. Thank you to Mo Fuchs. Thank you to uh, Michael Courtney. Uh, if I forget anybody, thank you, of course, to 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 uh, Amir Gavrin for the amazing uh, interview in regards to the YU roller hockey team. Their, their uh, nationals coming up next week. Stay tuned, uh, hopefully, to the... Tuesday morning, Jam the AM Sports Update. That'll be continuing. Hopefully, we'll get a little of their action in as we get closer to Pesach. Um, thank you to everybody who helped on the broadcast. Um, Dave Kolb, uh, uh, Duffy Foreman, Gus Kennedy, the SAR and the Frisch crews, um, Josh Lewis, uh, uh, Robert Svi Patinsky, his staff. It, it, was, it was a phenomenal year, and I look forward to leaping off this year, building a great, uh, great future. Uh, and a great couple more years to come. Hopefully, means only more growth for the court report. And for that, I can only extend as as many thank yous as possible to the Nakam Single Network staff, extending to uh, all the people that had helped me out with you know when, you know for, with interviews and to push anything. You know, I've been on Montes Juan Guest's show on JM Sunday for the last couple of weeks. But every every real every personality who who helped me on this, it, it's somebody to thank. Uh, of course, got to thank the, the crew behind the mics and behind the scenes, really. Got to thank uh, G- uh, General Manager, Station Manager, Miriam Wallach, and of course, the Nachum for, once again, putting a mic in front of my face and saying, Elliot, we trust you. Go along with it. Uh, well, I guess this brings a, a, a an end to another season on the court report. Um, I would generally run through the uh the the post and uh you know give you what's coming up you know Nakam's coming up tomorrow jam in the am um on Nakam single network from 6 to 9 a.m more of me you can always hear me there every tuesday morning for the rest of the school year but um uh, thank you oh also a thank you to crown trophy can't go without saying thank you to them my sponsors and i'm thinking of manashevitz for sponsoring the broadcast but crown trophy Mike, Larry, you guys are amazing. I'll see you soon when it comes time to talking about the uh, the Martin Weiselberg Memorial Tournament coming up on May 21st. We'll have more of that, too. Um, but, um, you know, of course, a special thank you to all of you, our listeners on the Nakam Siegel Network. But for now, nothing to do but say goodbye. Thank you for another great season. I'm Elliot Weiselberg. This has been the Court Report on the Nakam Siegel Network. This season finale of The Court Report has been dedicated to the memory of Martin Weiselberg, Avram Menashe, and Dober Levy on his 11th Yurtzeit.
Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com